Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you, and today is Friday, October 16th, and we're in the midst of Week 6. Boy, could the Jags use a win this week against the Lions after dropping four in a row. Coming up, the best of the week, including the aftermath of the loss in Houston, yet another change in place kickers, and a look ahead to the Detroit Lions. Let's start with the aftermath of last week's loss to the Texans. The Jaguars fell 30-14 to at NRG Stadium in Houston. The Jags' defense had a couple takeaways in the game, but the Jags' offense failed to score any points off those turnovers. And in general, the offense just didn't produce last week. Part of that was a little bit of imbalance, according to offensive coordinator Jay Gruden. Our design is to go in there and run the football, pound the football. Unfortunately, I've done a poor job of sticking with it, uh, so it's something that uh, something we have to obviously get better at and be aware of the game, the situation, and all that. Obviously, sometimes late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, if you take out uh, that part of the game in the last two or three weeks, it's hard to run the ball. Uh, but we do have to do a better job early in games to try to maintain the run and, and, and keep our linemen uh, pounding the rock a little bit and keeping the pressure off Gardner. We've won one game, and he threw the ball 20 times. We're really probably about 27 or 28 times because he had a couple scrambles in there and, and a couple sacks. So that's the ideal number for us. Unfortunately, score-related, we weren't good enough on offense in the first two or three quarters to keep the game close where we didn't have to throw the ball. You take a whole quarter out of your uh, out of the game as far as being able to run the football because you're playing behind, you're playing against the clock as well as the, the other team. That kind of skews the numbers, but... In a perfect world, this offense is built on balance, and uh, 25 to 30 times is the target number, in my opinion. Then there were red zone issues, really for the first time this year. The Jags missed on two of four red zone opportunities, and another where they got to the Texans' 21-yard line. Most notably, though, in the fourth quarter, the Jags went for it on fourth and one. Gruden always has a couple gadget plays up his sleeve each week, but he said this week he wishes he had that one back. Yeah, that's a play that I'll lose sleep over for many, many nights, and uh, I regret calling, obviously. And uh, It was a gadget play. We worked on it, really practiced with James, trying to sell it and uh, get get James O'Shaughnessy to the corner. We're hoping with the uh, Wildcat formation that they would trigger the corner. Uh, They brought the safety out of the boxes, which we knew they would do. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't sell the run good enough, uh, and that was poor coaching on my part. So it wasn't James's fault. It wasn't either James's fault. That was my design fault, Uh, but it was something that we saw. uh, You know, Baltimore did a couple Wildcat snaps, direct snapped it to the running back, motion Lamar out. Uh, we felt like we had a pretty good look. Ideally, that's a third and one call where you can go forward on fourth down or maybe four minute where you're trying to seal the game. Uh, not a fourth and one call. I should have left that in the hands of our offensive lineman and James Robinson, in my opinion, and I regret that uh, dearly, just so you guys know. Now to Jaguars Happy Hour Wednesday, presented by the Fields Auto Group. Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and I discuss the sweet spot for this Jags offense moving forward. The Jaguars... Did not run the ball a lot in the game. Gardner Minshew threw it 49 times, and in fact, in all four Jaguars' losses, Minshew's thrown it 40 or more times each time out there. Robinson only got 13 carries in the game and ran for 48 yards. A lot of those were on the first couple of drives. He only had five yards rushing in the second half. So Jay Gruden today said that, as you know, always, they're trying to balance it out a little bit more in an ideal situation for Gardner would be 25 to 30 attempts in a game. That means more carries for James Robinson. And that was the uh, formula for victory, Bucky, back in week one. That is the way that the Jaguars have to play. Uh, It has to be about the running game. It has to be about reducing the load on Gardner Minshew. Uh, I think it's interesting that you brought up that stat that in the last four games, Gardner Minshew has 40 or more attempts in each of those games, which is 
coincided with a bunch of losses. Some of that is not his own fault, but I do believe Jay Gruden needs to make sure that he is able to control the game more by leaning on the run. Like to see James Robinson have 20 or more carries because that to me would, would tell me that the game plan is about conserving it, making sure that it's the run game first, and then Garner Minshew is the complimentary dish. And, and John, it's against defenses that uh, do not rank well in terms of rushing uh, in the National Football League. Last week, the Texans went into the game the worst rushing defense in football. This week, the Lions are 32nd in the league. It has been. And from a purely statistical pregame breakdown, me and JP talking the game point of view, logic would have told you you run until you can't run anymore against the Texans. So that's boring because I've already talked about that. What I'd love to know, Bucky, from the scouts' point of view, was there something the Texans were doing that made them say, this is a defense we can throw against? Because it, a coordinators don't go into games trying to do the weird thing. Was there something the Texans were showing that made it look like they should be able to beat that defense with the pass? Well, I mean, the Texans hadn't been very good on defense either. They had had some problems and issues in coverage. Uh, they weren't as tight as they had been. New defensive coordinator trying to figure out how to mix the fronts with the coverages. And so you saw some opportunities for big plays. Uh, I think the one thing about attacking a team or building your game plan to be in attack mode, you have to always be mindful of what you do really, really well. Early in the season, we saw James Robson get off to a strong start by running the football when they were in those traditional eye formations, ran play action off of that. It seemed to work well. Of late, we've seen a little more shotgun, a little more Garner Minshew-centric offense, and it hasn't worked as well. I think they have to get back to the basics and get back to being a, a ground-and-pound type football team. Part of those issues, of course, came in the kicking game. Stephen Hauschka became the fourth field goal kicker in five weeks, but he missed a 24-yarder left, and he came up short on a 49-yarder before halftime. On Monday, he was cut, and John Brown was promoted from the practice squad. He's a former college soccer player at Kentucky and Louisville that later walked onto the football team for the Louisville Cardinals, and he had a few kickoffs there, but never a field goal attempt in college or in the pros. Doug Marone has never seen anything like this. I mean, how does that affect you? And, and you know, is it anything you ever can even remember remotely seeing? <laughs> no, I, I can't remember anything, anything like this. I don't think anyone, anyone has been through uh, anything like this as far as the people here. Uh, whether it's Joe D. Camillus, Mike Mallory, or any of the other coaches, so uh, you know it's unfortunate. Um, you, know, you want to be able to to be able to do a, a a better job coming in there when you have an opportunity. But I think there's a you know there's a lot that goes into it. Unfortunately, a lot of you know of the of the other you know the players that we've had have been injured. You know they've gotten injured, which is is crazy uh, in that regard. You know, John Brown's coming in here and, you know, he, we worked him out. He, he looked good. And I guess we'll just have to see when he goes out there on Sunday. But, you know, the one thing about that position that I've, that I've kind of learned, you know, through my experience, you know, you can go out there and you can look good in practice. But I think it's a whole different ball game. you know, when you go out there on a Sunday and then, you know, the pressure, the pressure comes involved. It kind of gets overlooked probably a little bit to maybe what Lambeau has done here, you know, and maybe some of the other kickers around the league. You know, and I think it's one of those things you go in there and, and, and we, we can we can see it a lot with other positions. But, you know, that that part of it is um, it is a big part of it that, you know, being able to go in there and be able to relax yourself and be able to go in there and, and kick 
and and you know put it through the uprights is um it's it's more difficult than going in your backyard and just trying to kick a field goal you know so i think there's a great appreciation for that and um i think you know we'll see we'll see how john does because you know he hasn't done that before well actually no one has ever seen anything like this if brown has an attempt this week against the lions either a field goal or an extra point the jags will be the first team in league history to have five kickers with field goal or extra point stats in a five-week stretch The defense went into last week's game without four starters who were held out due to injury, and another starter had to leave the game midway after an ejection. But some players who stepped into a starting role stood out, including cornerback Sidney Jones. The Jags claimed him off waivers from the Eagles back in September, and he made the most of his opportunity last week. Head coach Doug Marone said there could be more ahead for Jones. I think he's had that, you know, ability to to earn all those things that you just mentioned. I think that, you know, it's it's unfortunate from, you know, coming out of college, you know, we all really liked him. Obviously, a lot of teams liked him. He, he went, um, you know, high in the draft. And, you know, then he had an injury. You know, sometimes when you have those injuries, it just takes a while, you know what I'm saying, to get back. And, you know, even when he first came here, I don't I don't know if he was completely – I don't want to say that he was still injured. I just think the confidence that you need when you come back from an injury, especially when you're a young football player uh, like Sydney is. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, you see him moving better, you see him breaking, and you see him doing things, and you're like, wow, you know, this is, this is great. You know, I'm excited for him. And then to see him go on the field, I remember talking to him, telling him how excited I was for him to go out there and be able to to show what he can do because I'm sure you know he's probably disappointed you know with the injury situation that happened earlier that he wasn't able to you know go out there and perform at his highest level and um, I think you saw you know what he has the ability to do so you know when you see someone go out there and perform like that and 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 um, you know do a lot of really good things you know obviously you're going to look to him and see hey listen is he going to play more what are we going to do so we'll work on that during the week in the 2017 pre-draft process, Jones tore an Achilles, and he slid down the draft into the second round where the Eagles selected him. He got the opportunity to start last week because of an injury to C.J. Henderson. Ashlyn Sullivan asked him about both on an Instagram Live conversation this week. What was that process like, and maybe what did you learn about yourself? I mean, that's a pretty serious injury to come back from. Uh, it happened three years ago, 2017. Um, it was before, before the draft, got hurt, surgery. Got drafted second round, came back, um, kind of really never, never caught that stride like like I was in college, and you know had some ups and downs over the past three years, and uh, it's been a journey. It's been it's been a little struggle, but you just got to stick to that process. You just got to trust yourself, and it's always it's always it's always a process, and I think that's where it starts and ends and anything in life. So um, that journey was was tough, um, but I'm here now, sticking with it, and. Happy to be here. We have a lot of Jaguars fans in the comments asking, how is C.J. Henderson doing, and what is your guys' relationship like together? We've heard all kinds of, of great things about C.J., so what have you seen from him? Oh, he's, he's excellent. He's an excellent rookie. Um, he comes to work always ready, always prepared, always asking questions, doing everything right. First game, he, he surprised me. Um, and I was like, man, you can ball. Like, this <laughs> real. So that was exciting to watch, excited to have him back uh, this week and moving forward. Um, we've been cool, you know, chopping up a little bit, getting to know each other a little bit better. Um, so it's been good to have him. When we return, a look at the AFC South and a look ahead to the Detroit Lions. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. 
The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week Interview Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Jaguars have introduced Jags at Home. It's an interactive second screen experience on Jags game days featuring Ashwin Sullivan and Eric Dunn. Each game day, you'll have the chance to win $10,000 in cash and prizes. Visit jagsathome.com for more information on how you can play and you can win. Each Monday on Jaguars Happy Hour, we look at the AFC South standings, and Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli provide their power rankings for the division. These came before Tuesday night's Titans game. So let's uh, get to our power rankings going into week six, uh, actually with uh, another game in week five remaining tomorrow night. Tony, get us started, please. AFC South power rankings, highly anticipated. Gotta have it. Painful. This is going to be a painful segment for me. Um, I'm going with Tennessee Titans, number one. Even though I think the Bills are going to beat them, I still think they're the best team in the AFC South. Um, the Colts are number two. Um, even though I think, I, I hate to say because I really like Phillip Rivers as well as a player, but he might be on the doorstep of being done um, because I think they have a really good defense uh, and they can run the ball. Uh, this hurts right now what I'm about to say, but I can't deny it. The Texans won. The Texans are three, and the Jags are in the door. They're the doormat. They're last. I'll agree with you 100% across the board. I would have, uh, if uh, if the Colts had won, clearly they would have been the best team in the division. But the way that Rivers has played in those two losses, come on, they lost to the Jaguars. He should have won that game. He threw two. What was it two picks in that game? And he mm-hmm. threw two yesterday. He just he didn't look good. He doesn't look good. And so they're but actually they, talking they about be- benching him. Pete, they only scored 20 points against the Jaguars. They're going to bench him, Pete? Well, there's people are asking that question. They asked uh, Frank Reich about it today. And he said no. Yeah. Would you uh, bench him? Not yet. No. You got to least you got to let him play it out for another So let's run. So rank quarterbacks in the AFC, the South. Tannehill might be one. Watson, two. Uh, Minshew and Rivers, the way he's playing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 I, I, I think I might agree with you. But you know what, Tony? We're killing Rivers up until the, the last week, and we went and played to the Bears, and they won. He was completing over 70-something percent of his passes. But he still has a hard time driving. He, like, he's another one has a hard time driving it down the field. Yeah, because he's always been a guy that uses his lower body and torque to drive the ball, and I don't think he has any power anymore. Yeah, he's just getting old. He's done, probably. Pete, what were your power rankings uh, are the same as Tony's? Yes, exactly the same. Exactly. No, contro- no controversy this week. Wow. Okay. No. I mean, what it's cut and dry. What if the Titans get blown out? What if the Titans? Let's let's spin it forward. What if the Titans get blown out? I still, I'm still picking the Titans over every team in the NFC South. Yeah, and they're not that good. <laughs> they're not that good. It's a bad division. All right, so the uh, AFC South power rankings are in, and uh, they are negative. We're back in a moment, and we'll go around the (laughs) National Football League, (laughs) including Monday Night Football. Jaguars Happy Hour airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Jags social channels. The Monday and Thursday shows air on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville. We continue this week with John Osher's visit with second-year right tackle Jawan Taylor on the Ozone podcast. It's a great conversation with a guy who could be a cornerstone player for the Jaguars' offensive line. Tell me about your rookie year and 
how tough it is for an offensive lineman in the NFL to adjust. What was the biggest thing that you took away and what was the toughest thing about that year? Uh, first off, just coming in, having to learn the actual NFL style offense and actually, you know, locking into that. Uh, that was pretty tough at first. Um, but then after I learned that, it was just transitioning from the game speed is a little different from college to the pros. And then, you know, um, going against great players every single day. Like I came in going against like Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell and Josh Allen, different guys like that every day. So that definitely made me better and had me prepared for, you know, my first game in the in NFL. So, uh, you know, just doing that, just the transition to that was hard itself. But other than that, um, everything else was good. You know, we playing the game we love and, you know, we come in every day in the building. You just come in with a great attitude and a, and a great mindset. And just, you know, you got you to gotta be willing to learn every single day being a rookie. Um, you know, just be quiet in the back of the meeting room and yeah. ask the questions you need to ask questions and, uh, you know, listen to your, your veterans because last year I had all veterans next to me and I was the youngest on the O-line and in the O-line room. So just soaking up everything, Brandon and Cam and, and all those guys were telling me, AJ, and, and you know, that, that helped me out a lot. So um, that, that helped me get th- through my rookie year for sure. Now, the reason I ask you that is I think something maybe fans would never realize, but I noticed early this offseason. From it seemed like the first week and a half after this season ended, I saw you in the building. You were already back. You were already lifting. You were already working toward this season. This was pre-COVID. But not every first-year guy going into the second year is back like that. Does that say anything about who you are, your approach? It struck me that you really were ready to get started as soon as this thing ended last year. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I always had that work ethic and that hunger and that drive to want to be better and uh, be the best that I can be. And most definitely just always being available for my team, um, being healthy. And, and I knew different things I needed to improve on for my rookie year going into this year. So um, I wanted to take a little what, week, week-long week break and get right back to it. Because, um, you know, I'm young and different things like that. I could just come <laughs> right back into it and, and get right back in the groove of things. So um, it, it wasn't no problem for me. Um, I talked to the strength coaches and, and different things like that, and, and they put together a good plan for me before the, the virus hit. And, um, you know, after the virus hit, of course, we had to all go home and quarantine and different things like that. But um, they definitely they definitely were working me hard when I first got back. So um, I had to just lock into it and, and try to get better. The full conversation available on the Ozone Podcast, available on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Now to this week's opponent, the Detroit Lions. They're 1-3, and three and they're coming off a of bye week. And they're also last in the league in rush defense entering week six. Lions digital reporter Tori Petrie joined Ashwin Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton Thursday morning on Drive Time and discussed how the Lions plan to slow down James Robinson and the Jaguars' running game. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. This defense against the run as of right now, allowing on average 170 yards per game. What has this defense talked about with stopping Jaguars running back James Robinson? He's definitely been a positive here for us down here in Jacksonville. Yeah, James Robinson has been a huge topic of conversation in Detroit this week. They have talked about how they have got to stop that guy. It's been so impressive what he has been doing as an undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, And the Lions coaches have all talked about how they need to be able to stop the run better than they have. It's the one thing that they really did well in that game against Arizona, their one win so far this season. They were able to stop Kyler Murray on the ground and force him to throw, and they got three picks in that game. So I would expect that they're kind of trying to do something similar this week. They really want to stop the ground game so that they are able uh, to, to make 
the Jaguars one-dimensional. That would be their goal this week. But they have struggled against the run so far this season. And like I said, the one game that they won, that was something that they did well. But in all the other games that they've lost, they have really struggled uh, to stop the run. Now, they haven't quite said what adjustments they feel like they need to make to be able to do that, but they certainly need to have made some, and they are hoping that this bye week has given them time to reassess their defense uh, and look at what they have been doing wrong against the run. Thanks to Tori for her time this week. Jags Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on Jags social channels. On the offensive side, they still have Matthew Stafford at the controls of the offense at quarterback, of course. He's played in two games against the Jaguars, and he's 2-0, but he hasn't thrown a touchdown. He hasn't thrown an interception either. He has some talented receivers around him this year, of course, but the Lions this year have also added one of the all-time great running backs, Adrian Peterson. Who better to discuss running backs than Jaguars great Fred Taylor? In a preview of Sunday's Countdown to Kickoff interview on the Jaguars radio network, Taylor discusses using James Robinson more, his memory facing an all-time great, and what AP might have left in the tank. Just looking at the game last week, for example, and it's really been the theme of the season, uh, the slow start. You know, James Robinson, he comes out, you know, he had 11-yard run, an 8-yard run, a a seven-yard run, four-yard, four-yard, and a few no games. But that doesn't mean go away from the run game. That means dig in there and try to have some patience with it, and hopefully some good things will happen. But he has shown early in the game, feed me, I I want the rock. They got to find a way to stick with it, Uh, which means the defense, you know, they got to play better on their side. They can't allow the other team to condense the field and win the field position battle uh, and, and outscore our offense. So if the defense isn't playing great, it's hard to find that balance on the offensive side. So it's a combination of things, defense, special teams, offense. They all got to be firing on all cylinders and on the same page. So hopefully, again, this is the week. Detroit, they don't do a very good job at stopping the run. As the other teams the past two weeks, uh, they were the same. So that means the Jaguars offense got to go out there and force the issue sort of and uh, hopefully have a few big plays, you know, within that, within those calls. Uh, and, and that's what I expect. I think James Robinson, he's fired up, he's geared up, ready to have a big week. So I'm going to say he's going to get 100 on the ground this week. This is the week. This is the week. And, and I want to add, too, uh, in my, my rookie year in Jacksonville could have been year two. I remember another great Detroit Lion running back that came to town, Barry Sanders. And there was a, a, a rookie on the other side. I believe it was my rookie year, JP. I outdueled Barry Sanders. And I'm pretty sure James Robinson, he's, he's going to be looking over on that other sideline, looking at Adrian Peterson, thinking the same thing, same thoughts that I had back in the day when I wanted to outrush uh, uh, Barry that day, and I did. I think I had 183 yards, to be exact. <laughs> but who's counting? Yes. Who's counting? <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping that we have the same output today. Fred Taylor with us. Speaking of AP, how much juice does Adrian Peterson still have this deep into his career? Oh, man. He, he looks good. I, I can see those knees aren't bending the same way they used to, but still, he's running the ball uh, effectively very efficiently so i mean as long as he's putting up you know four yards a whop we can accept that you know he's top five rusher all time so you got to respect that you still got to respect his ability 
what we saw him doing just a year ago in Washington, still ripping off some long runs. And he still has that ability. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in the NFL because it's definitely a young man's game. And the teams can find any young guy to get out there and, and put up some numbers. So AP still has a lot of juice in his tank, man. And uh, I think his motivation is passing Barry Sanders, which he's about 800 yards shy of that to be number four all the time. So you can't fall asleep on him out there, defense. The full interview airs Sunday and countdown to kickoff starting at noon on the Jaguars radio network. Big ball game Sunday for the Jaguars, of course. They'll try to snap a four-game skid with a win against the Detroit Lions. Tickets available at jaguars.com slash tickets. On radio, we're on the air at 10 o'clock with the public tailgate show on 1010XL, followed at noon on the Jaguars radio network with Countdown to Kickoff. And, of course, after the game, Jaguars postgame with yours truly, Mike Dempsey and Fred Taylor, and then your calls at the scoreboard show. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks joins us from Los Angeles, hopefully after a winning result in Week 6. Have a great weekend, enjoy the game Sunday, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.